0: Good morning and hello and welcome to the Arsenal Bite Size Podcast. I'm back at FPL Nima on Twitter, or X as they call it these days, joined by a very special guest, Hassan, on Twitter, at H-A-F-T-B-L. It's football without the O's, I'm thinking, and the A's, so yeah. no vowels yeah. there. For sure. But yeah, Hassan's <laughs> obviously been a guest previously, I think when I was away for uh, my sister's wedding in Beirut in August, I think it was. I remember mm-hmm. listening to the pod in the streets of Beirut, running mm-hmm. around trying to do some shopping. And it was amazing to hear Hassan for the first time and hear mm-hmm. his like really good takes on Arsenal. Obviously, he's a long-time Arsenal fan, and I'm just really glad to have him here while Clayton's away. We're going to be uh, reviewing the 2-0 win against Brighton at the Emirates, which was long overdue. I know they've been a bit of a bogey team for us at our stadium lately. And then at the end of it, we're going to quickly have a look at uh, the weekend ahead against Liverpool at Anfield. Hopefully, breaking another duck off our back there as well. So, before we go deep into the details, I'd love to just ask you, Hassan, for like maybe just your high level thoughts or summary of like the game, what you liked about it, maybe if you saw anything new. And then I'll also give my summary of kind of the game and we'll go through more of a detailed match report from there, I think.
1: So the game itself, I was really impressed, especially on the second viewing. I saw that we really wanted to start really quickly, really strong, really fast. We won the ball back within the first 20 seconds from a high press, from from Saka on the right side with Rice, and then Kai gets the ball, and then and gets the ball, and then we nearly have a shot where where Saka drives past Milner and then he gets the cross in and then Kain the ball. But overall, it was a really quick, aggressive start. We kept winning the ball back. They couldn't really build up their defensive midfielder, Gilmore, tried to go left-back a few times. But apart from that, we just kept on blocking their... Uh, Their um, what's their sort of pass they tried to play these little bounce wall passes around you and we just blocked that and we just kept winning the ball back and they were were defending a lot and our final action especially in the first half wasn't great we missed some really really good chances especially with Martinelli where uh, Bodegaard plays a beautiful Outside of the foot pass in behind Milner. Saka doesn't have to break stride. He plays, he plays a beautiful pass into Martinelli, but the defender on the rewatch did really well to stop him from scoring that chance. But overall, we, could, we went into half time not scoring, but second half, we started strong again. We really like, st- stopped their build up, pressed them really high. They were trying to um, build up again and then. We got, We kept getting the ball in around their box, but we kept taking an extra touch. That's the one thing I really noticed. We kept taking a little bit extra touch. And by the time we were ready to shoot, a defender was there, especially dunk. He had a really good game. But... He had a great game, didn't he? Yeah. It felt like yeah, he was
0: he... part of everything they yeah, did yeah. going forward. Yeah,
1: he was just everywhere. He was everywhere. He had an incredible game. I don't think he was in, he didn't deserve to lose. In, in the whole Brighton team, but as a team they deserved to lose. But Dunk, he didn't he didn't deserve to lose. But we eventually got the breakthrough after um, after we got a corner from Saka. He plays really really good insulin cross and Van Hecker. he heads it backwards and Gabriel Jesus like all good strikers anticipates at the back post. He heads it in. It's one 0 And then after that the game started to become a bit more cagey, become a bit more stretched because Brighton they they tried to. They tried to. What's the word I'm looking for? They they just tried to like gamble a little bit more. That's the word I'm looking for. They gambled a little bit more. The game state is one nil. We tried. We just sat off a little bit, and then they tried stretching us a little bit more. They they kept boxing us in. They boxed us in a little bit, but we rode the storm out. Gross had that big chance when Matuema ran in behind White, and then he missed that chance. If he was on his right foot, I think we'd be talking about a different game. But he took it on his left, and he luckily missed. And after he missed. Havertz had the chance to uh, to make it 2-0. He took it, and that's it. That's the game. It was a good, very good all round team performance, especially against the ball.
0: I think yeah, that's a perfect summary. Um, I think that really, especially for anyone who hasn't had the chance to rewatch it, it seems like a game that's definitely worth rewatching. Um, of all the games this season, it felt like this was the game where we kind of arrived. I would say so. You yeah. know, after the, I guess the the sh- not shock, but after the loss against Villa, not shock, but it, it just felt like last season or maybe the season before, we always had this situation where when we would lose a game, we'd go on to lose three games in a row before we bounced back this season after both Newcastle and Villa, we kind of put those right behind us and just immediately carried on and went mm-hmm. straight back for the kind for sure. of the, the, the challenges. So mm-hmm. I, I think the first off my, my thing, the only things I would add, because I think you've summarized it well, and then we'll go into more detail um, is In the first half, it did feel quite frustrating going in without a goal at halftime. It it did start to feel a bit like cagey, even though we were dominating proceedings, and I think you were even saying like they basically had no shots on goal in the first half. I think we reduced them to two touches in our box in the first half, so it was a great dominant display, but I think what was different to this and earlier in the season, where we talked about Arteta was trying to go for control, and we felt like the fluency up front was missing, this time it feels like The control is there. We've spent all season trying to get the control and dominate opponents and pin them into their boxes and suffocate them from having any chances. But we're actually starting to see some fluency in the attack, which we hadn't seen. So I think that's Mm -hmm. where the difference lies. Like, If we'd not taken our chances that we should have in the first half, say, two, three months ago, I'd be nervous whether other chances would come. Whereas now it feels like the chances are coming and we're actually Mm -hmm. creating. And that's something that is like clearly different to say two months ago. Now I was gonna ask you what do you think that like what what is the cause of that? Is it that, you know, like the likes of Havertz and Rice, like are they now settling into the new roles and what's being asked of them of the manager? Have they like have they got better chemistry and, you know, relationships with the teammates? Is is it the fact that, you know, Jesus and Zinchenko are back? Odegaard was carrying an, you know, an injury they say, he's now back, looks like his best as well. Um Is it just all those things kind of, like, aligning Um, in one? Like, was it always going to happen? Or do you think something, do you think those kind of charges from the FA, maybe that us-against-the-world mentality, do you think that's added to it?
1: I think it's that mainly, that that as well, because I was saying during the season on Twitter, I said, once Gabriel Jesus, Saka and Martinelli get a run of games together, we'll eventually click, because every in the first two months until first three months actually until the November international break our attack kept changing it was never fluid it was always uh, either Saka got injured, Martinelli got injured or Jesus got injured and we always had to just rotate. Sometimes it would be Trossard, sometimes it would be Enketia. He started a lot of games, actually, if you really think about it. He started a lot of games. He started and... a lot
0: more than you would expect expected, as like yeah, yeah, yeah. striker, right? Yeah,
1: he, I think he started seven or eight of the first 10, 11 games or something. He started so many games. People and then were was... so
0: frustrated with him, but I think they just forget that Yeah, it's not his fault that he's no. wasn't able to play. Yeah,
1: yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. As I was saying to people, like calm down. Once uh, Sacre and Martinelli play at least five games in a row together in the league, we'll start to click because we saw them last season how much they gave to the team in attack. And also, um, I think Havertz is starting to really come into his own as well because he's he's a lot more aggressive in his actions. Before he was a little bit too passive because his confidence was so low. But it's whatever. What's uh, I noticed as well at the end of the game was um, you know Carlos Questar, individual coach who helps the players yeah. improve individually. Did you see how him and Havertz embraced each other after after you got subbed off? Oh, I need
0: to go and check for that yeah, uh, yeah. replay. Yeah, I didn't. See yeah, yeah. It yeah, time. they embraced
1: yeah. each other and then you can see you can see it. Um, Carlos Cuesta is really working with him closely and Arteta is giving him a lot of confidence and the players really trust in him they really believe in him and he's just making a lot more aggressive he's just a lot more aggressive in his actions and how he takes the ball on the turn how he's passing the ball because his passes were lacking zip and conviction now he's passing the ball with conviction he's making so many good runs in behind from from in between the fullback and centre back and he's always making that run so I feel that's helping us all and I think Rice playing six as well because he kept playing eight he kept playing six he kept playing eight he was never like getting a run of games in a certain position but now mm-hmm. he's playing six long term it's just helping our press a lot more because he yeah. we know because the players know he's just so. Incredible physically. The back
0: four can trust him as well. Yeah, yeah, the back four can trust can trust him.
1: Yeah, and White knows he can go as well, even though he's physically in trouble right now. I think he's injured. White can go, Zinchenko can come in, and I think Odegaard are dropping deep as well. Because when he drops deep, we can get the ball into more dangerous positions and our, attack, our, our attackers are set in the final third, ready to make a, a dangerous action. So I think it's a combination of things. And also, you said New, the Newcastle fiasco with the referees. Yeah, the, the, the referees and the FA yeah. charge, that they couldn't yeah, yeah, prove yeah. anything. Yeah. To, yeah, exactly, exactly, and I'm I'm surprised our I thought to we pay. were gonna get.
0: I thought he was gonna be banned for Handfield when yeah. I heard the you know the yeah. r- the hearing update yeah. was coming. I was like yeah. they're gonna do us. Then yeah, I hear yeah. we got a criminal lawyer <laughs> and like we went to court and there's a 40 yeah. page dossier and they're basically <laughs> and, like, yeah, they treated Arteta differently. yeah, if yeah. other he- managers said this, they wouldn't have been charged. I'm like wait, mm-hmm. what?
1: <laughs> yeah. And then he and he said um, he said uh, disgrace is it means like in, in, an injustice. Even though he's clearly said on Sky Sports, it's a disgrace in English. We know the what funny
0: he meant. Thing, yeah, the funny thing is, apparently in the footnotes of the document, it then says that he said to them in the case, like, yeah. "Oh, it was a miscommunication between <laughs> me and the club. I meant disgrace." <laughs> <laughs> was, I was just think it's, it's so funny.
1: Like, yeah. like we know, we know, we know that Tony said it. Like the whole world saw how he said it. He said it's a it's embarrassing. It's a disgrace. That's what it is. A disgrace. We know he's, what like, he he's like
0: the best league in the world.
1: Yeah, I don't want to be in the, in the hands of other people. So we just knew what he meant. So like, I don't know how we got away with it. And then I think also our season was drifting a bit because as you said, we were just going for control. We were, just, we were getting results by, in a way, fine margins because our defence was so good. All we had to do, just score one goal. and that's It was always it. like you
0: can win by just one goal, one clinical yeah. moment you might not create much in the game. Yeah. So it didn't feel sustainable for a run into May. Yeah, like exactly. All that. Like by, by May, the gas would be gone, I would think. Like, yeah, exactly. And it also feels like, I, I don't know if there's any anything in this, but I've been saying this, and I'm not sure if Clayton agrees with me, but I've been saying that I feel every team who plays us this season, mm-hmm. it's like their cup final. Like yeah, You'll yeah, see yeah, yeah. these teams, like whoever they are, they could be 20th in the Prem. Mm-hmm. They'll play any other team, they'll just play their normal weekly style. Mm-hmm. They come to us, and teams that normally look to actually play football, all mm-hmm. of them are defending for their lives. Like it's like yeah. they're all there waiting for a quick counter or a transition. Yeah,
1: and they're super like, clinical as well.
0: Play as well, right? Because they know mm-hmm. that on the counter he is just there. He is ready. Yeah. Like one on one. Yeah, both. So imagine having both of them coming for you. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I think they like they they cherish these big strikers who want to mm-hmm. like knock the ball down and battle in the air. So, like, they love the, like, like, you know, Saliba against Haaland earlier in the season. Like, they love those battles. I think the strikers Mm -hmm. they're most concerned about, and that I'd be concerned about them facing, is, like, someone shorter, more technically gifted, Really yeah. rapid, like doing mm-hmm. them with dancing around them, trying yeah, to like with, them on the floor.
1: With, uh, like Firmino last season at, at, at the Emirates, for example. The way he's able to come in, spinning behind that type of striker is a bit more dangerous. Against big strikers, I'm not worried about them at all. Like Ferguson, I don't think he even had a shot against us.
0: That's crazy, man. And don't see like, and like, a really up-and-coming yeah, player. I would, like yeah, to, go ahead.
1: Like, I would like to include one thing. You know, with Newcastle, when I said our season was just drifting, we were just like defending so brilliantly, we'll get one goal and that's it. I felt our season was drifting. I felt we just needed something to give us a spark, you know. And that Newcastle fiasco, I think, saved our season because ever since the Newcastle fiasco, I think we've been playing really, really good and we've won all our games bar Villa, which also Mm -hmm. where PGML decided not to give us uh, two clear penalties like, and, ha- yeah, and, this and, and and took a goal from us from a clear legal goal from Havertz. So it, it just it feels is. like
0: we always get screwed over. But yeah. we need to make it so that we're creating yeah. so many chances that yeah. those don't matter.
1: Yeah, like and I, I saw once we should win well.
0: regardless. Of I saw rest.
1: once th- I saw once that since Newcastle, we've created 30 big chances in all competitions. Had scored like 21 goals in 17 xG, so I think our offensive potential ever since Newcastle has gone on an incline. It just keeps getting better and better. So I'm really pleased with how the how the club, how the players, how the coaches reacted since Newcastle. I don't think I can ask for even more than what they're doing. I'm just really. What pleased. I'd love
0: to ask you is about some specific players actually. So I'll just quickly mm-hmm. put the lineup up that we had mm-hmm. versus Brighton. Um, for the podcast listeners, we had obviously Raya and goal White, mm-hmm. Saliba, Gabriel, Zinchenko. Odegaard Rice, Haber, Saka, Jesus, Martinelli. It feels like we've not changed the 11 for the first time in a while. Like it seems a bit settled as well. I want to ask about the two wingers. So I want to ask about both Saka and Martinelli because I feel like they do two different things, but they are unreal carrying this attack at their age um, for a Mm -hmm. team top of the table. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people have been giving Saka disrespect. Like maybe it's more rival fans, even our own fans, they feel like he's had a slow start to the season or whatever. Martinelli, obviously, he was out injured for a while. He's now back. But I know that he just recently scored his first goal like in like 10 games or something. And he's only got mm-hmm. like two league goals in like, you know, nearly half a season. When you compare that to his 15 league goals last year, obviously, it feels a bit frustrating. But I just feel like this is a situation where people are putting too much emphasis on goals and assists. Because mm-hmm. I just feel what Martinelli does is so unique and where I've seen, that like, say, Trossard play that left wing, he cannot do what Martinelli does off the ball no, for Arteta. No. Like, no. Martinelli is there. Just, he literally is just, I guess, what's the word? Like, he is on his own, both defending and attacking. He's everywhere on that wing. And, like, Trossard can play there. Other players can play there. Nelson could maybe play there as well. But I just feel like we always talk about how there's no kind of plan B for Saka on the right. I don't think that Trossard is a like-for-like like swap for Martinelli. I think where Trossard has been playing this season, I'm actually starting to think I prefer him playing as like the eight.
1: I prefer Trossard number nine, to be honest, because he or nine, yeah, yeah, nine. yeah. He plays he plays a lot similar to Jesus and how he attracts the centre backs to come into into midfield and the space opens up in behind. So either one of Sacro or Martinelli can attack inside. So I prefer Trossard number nine for sure. And I think Martinelli, the issue with him is, I think. He's suffering the most with Kai Havertz playing left centre mid because last season we had Shaco left centre mid and he's a high volume passer and he's able to overlap as well. And Jesus would always come into the left. He would always come mm. into the left wing and then Martinelli would attack inside and that's how he got his goals. And I just think with also Zinchenko not really overlapping as well, I think he's playing two V one most of the time, all the time. And he's, he's always
0: playing. on the wing, right? So it feels yeah, yeah. like He's like literally touching the yeah, like the corner flag. At
1: times. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 basically he's got How can obviously...
0: you score from that part of the pitch? Right. Obviously, yeah. you can't. Yeah. But it mm. feels like this is what I mean by he's underestimated because mm. still, what he does is so important. Because if you take what we said about every team's coming and playing us like a cup final now, because mm-hmm. they want to obviously, you know, get a win against us. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of obvious at this stage. Mm-hmm. At the same time, if they're both being doubled up on, I think it was Saka who was saying in an interview that both of them are getting doubled up on, so they're just having to train and learn new ways to like unlock mm-hmm. defences. So we're in this situation where we're just taking it from left to right outside the box, mm-hmm. and we're just hoping to find a hole to put a pass in so someone can get the shot off, but it feels like we're kind of like a predator toying with their prey. Like yeah. Most games would just seem to be like, uh, we'll look at the stats in a moment, but the field tilt is always like, obviously we're just in the opposition's third most of the game compared to them mm-hmm. in our third. So mm-hmm. I still feel what Martin does is so important. You take him out of this team, I don't think our attack can do what it does. But I think people are just mm-hmm. looking too much at output only and they're not yeah. respecting how important and pivotal he is to this team. I think, whereas Saka, on the other hand, they've also been criticising him, but then the output is there with him. So it's like, that's wild, right? Like I find it mm-hmm. wild that, He's there, and he's about. To, I think he's maybe four or five goal contributions away from this being his best season already ever in his career. So last mm-hmm. season we were like, "Wow, he got twenty-six like goal contributions or whatever." One mm-hmm. of the only two players in the league to get double-digit goals and assists. He's already well on the way this season. Yeah, to he's, his got, all
1: he's got. Numbers. He's got eight goals, twelve assists in all competitions. If I'm not wrong.
0: So he's six off his number from yeah. last season's all comes 26 or whatever it was. So and then, he's like already Christmas there. Before Christmas as well. Before Christmas. And that's what I mean. So I just find it wild. So you've got one player on one wing who's being mm. asked to do so much work, Martinelli, and the goals mm. aren't there. So people are like, oh my God, he's not getting returns. He's doing badly. Then you've got the other winger on the other side who's getting all the returns. And they're like, oh, but he's not shooting enough anymore. He's just always crossing in. And I'm like, I don't think Saka cares whether he's the one who scores. He just wants to win, the team to win. I think that's what we've built—a team. Yeah. We don't have a striker like Jesus himself, right? He'll try to lay off the ball most times as well. Yeah. So we've built a team where they're all trying to just win the game, whatever yeah. it takes.
1: I think I think that's the strength of our team. We don't have a clear superstar. We have we just have eleven very strong individual players. Mm, in their own yeah. right. So, so that's our strength. And on Martinelli, you said how he's just all alone and we miss him a lot in certain games. I think we missed him a lot against Tottenham. I think if he was available versus Tottenham, we win the game. Because the space Porro left him behind, Martinelli would have taken advantage and he would have scored. And I think for his situation, I think we need to get fast fullback. A really fast really? left back. Not he doesn't even have to be very fast, but just a natural overlapper like white dust, white dust, for example, that will allow. Um, so he can have someone that drives on the outside. Martinelli can go on the inside. And when Martinelli on the inside, good things happen. So I just think maybe Timber is that guy. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe Timber, Timber is that. Yeah, yeah. So maybe. I just, I, I just feel like the tactical environment is not really. Beneficial for him to really show off his qualities, you know. So I think it's mostly on the tactical system, not on Martinelli as an individual, because we know that's
0: what I want to emphasize. He's being asked to do this job by the
1: manager. He could just
0: go and stand in the middle of the box if he wanted and try to get more goals, but he's got an important job to do.
1: And have you noticed the Champions League in the Champions League? He looks a lot better. Because he, he has was a lot Unreal mistakes.
0: in Champions League, yeah. Like yeah, just, he, he's, he's got grass in front of him to run onto. We don't see yeah, that in the Prem anymore. Yeah,
1: and against um, against Sevilla, he scored against uh, away. He scored Sevilla at home. He Sevilla at home. He got he got a great assist and Lenz, he, Lenz, he was incredible. He was he, honestly unreal.
0: So I was there for the six 0 I think it was yeah. Five nil well. halftime. I was there, and there that as well. was the wild because that was my first live Champions League game since 2013. Same. Same. <laughs> So I that was, was like my, wow.
1: That was my first Champions League game ever, and when I heard the music, it brought something out in me because as a kid, I used to watch Champions League on ITV One on on Tuesday night. So I just thought to myself, if I could see the Champions League game one day, it'd be a dream come true. Under the
0: floodlights, like, with a yeah. huge flag in the floor in the middle, and yeah, it's just, yeah, there's something it's different about those yeah. uh, UCL nights. They yeah.
1: hit. I would I would love to experience it again because I'm i going to do everything I physically I physically can to go to Porto at the Emirates because
0: yeah we've got to both try man yeah. anyone who's listening yeah. if you can't make it to Porto and you want to transfer your <laughs> season okay. ticket membership number to us for that game yeah. please let us know yeah. <laughs> maybe Clayton can uh, find yeah. us some more I know he's so, obviously got I've his... got a
1: question yeah. for you Nima actually who yeah, was of your man who was your manager match
0: um, it feels like a cop out to say this but. I have to go Declan Rice. I just, I don't know how I could say anyone else, purely because I feel like there was rumours in the morning about him carrying a bug, being sick the night before. Mm -hmm. You know, there was rumours he might not start, etc. Then he was seen Mm -hmm. with the squad. seems like whatever he had, he shook it off. Mm -hmm. But if that was him, while not well, and it's just like every week, it's like an eight or nine out of ten without fail. We've not heard his price tag mentioned since the day he landed from a single media arrival or anywhere. It's like, that tells you in itself, like, bro, we should have sent West Ham even more money. I thought yeah. there was a GoFundMe from Arsenal fans yeah. to give them another 20 mil or something. Yeah, so... it
1: was after Luton. It was after Luton. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> so for me, I'd say he would be my man of the matchup. Mm. The moment I really liked was, I think it was late in the game, that 85th minute. You know, he's mm. knackered at this point. His give and go. I think it was with Zinchenko, maybe. Yeah, it was He, he was on the kind left of side. all the way in the left side. He gave it to him one touch, collected it at halfway, pushed it past Gross, who Gross knew at that moment he had no hope keeping up with him. And the next thing you know, there's like an attack starting. And I'm like, how are you doing this in the 85th minute while you were supposedly ill and might not even make the game? Like,
1: <laughs> Yeah, I also think he's fully fit now because there was rumours when he first came to us that he had like a... He had a calf problem and then his back... I remember. His, he had a back problem against Tottenham. He was very uncomfortable for minute one Arteta said so, so ever since then, and he had strapping on his back after games, mm. during games. So I feel like ever since the international break, I think he's 100% fit now and he's just been playing better and better and better since the international break. So for the November international break, sorry. So I feel he's 100% fit and he, we're just getting the best version of Rice now and I think there's a lot more to come because this is That's a generational mean. player. It
0: feels like this is like something None of us expected. Like, even though I know he's done well, I just feel like it's only just the start of this. Like, mm-hmm. this is a guy who could go on to, like, you know, become a legend here if yeah, all goes yeah. well and we win the silverware that goes with that. Like, yeah. he feels like he's like the kind of player where I look at him and he's at like the nucleus of the team going forward. Mm-hmm. Like, I know we're going to have to replace a lot of our central midfields. It sounds like in the next 18 months, like 6 to 18 months, mm-hmm. all of El Neni Jorginho and Party will be replaced in 6 to 18 months' time span. So with that in mind, we're going to be in the market for a few more CMs in the coming years and windows. Mm. But Rice is like the first one in who's supp- who's supposed to be here for five to ten years, hopefully. Yeah. Like if all yeah. goes well, He's, he he um, signed
1: a six-year contract as well. So it shows yeah. it shows from his side that he sees Arsenal as the place to be for his prime, you know. So and, and also, I think
0: it's a tes- testament to him, right? Because yeah. you know, obviously, him and Eddie, they both got released from the Chelsea academy. I think it was the same day or similar time. And, you know, when you get a setback like that in life, like whether it's football or just life in general, mm-hmm. it's very easy to be down and kind of give up on your dreams. But these are both players who, it's just the fairy tale story that they're both now reunited here, having been friends and gone through all the England age groups together and having been in the Chelsea Academy together, they've right. kind of like reunited back here again.
1: Yeah, it's, It it's reminds you of that story. family
0: feeling as well at Arsenal, yeah, um, yeah. of like how all of them feel at home. I think When Kivior arrived, um, you know, he got brought into the dressing room with his partner after a game. He Mm -hmm. wasn't even in the matchday squad. He was just at the stadium, but he went into the dressing room with them. Timber, we saw the video recently of his matchday experience. He's been to every single home game pretty much this season. Mm -hmm. He goes into the dressing room post-game, pre-game. Everyone, even the injured players, they feel like they're part of the group. It's like yeah. this group is all going on a journey together and they're all yeah, a family and I love I it. Think,
1: I think that's our biggest strength of our team. Again, it's just, it's just the family feeling, the camaraderie and the dressing room is unbelievable. We don't have any, a superstar. We don't have anyone that's got a big ego. Everyone is the same. Everyone just wants to win, wants to work hard, get on with it. So that's just testament to Mikel Arteta and his management skills.
0: If If we were going to say any player apart from Rice... Is there anyone else who you would want to kind of, I guess, call out as like um, a potential man of the match here?
1: I would probably say um, one of Odegaard or Jesus because Jesus, I don't think he lost the ball at all. the entire game because his link-up play was brilliant like he was just really technically secure unlike Villa where it's disappointing because I know his quality and I know how strong he is technically but against Brighton however he was brilliant and the turn he did on dunk where Havertz fired it into him I just thought wow this is just different level you know you're (laughs) right by
0: the way yeah yeah. that's disgusting for a striker 36 Mm. out of 36 passes complete 100% success rate.
1: Yeah. Cause that when is I mad when I when I did the rewatch, I thought to myself, he hasn't lost the ball here. Like every pass is really technically, it's really sharp, it's really clean, it's with the right weight. So I just thought to myself, this guy had a really, really great game. And I thought Odegaard, especially first half, was unbelievable.
0: He had a successful dribble, two key passes, mm. yeah, goal. Mm, yeah. What more could you ask for? Didn't I lose thought, the ball thought, in a single
1: I thought, pass. I thought Odegaard some of his passing, especially first half, was just wow it's laser yeah,
0: Odegaard's pretty nuts as well he had a yeah. 55 out of 59 93% success yeah. rate with him
1: I do think his passing is like a laser you know it's really like a laser guided missile it's with the right weight all the time right speed it's and also when you know he has a great game it's like the ball sticks to his feet If you, you if you go to games you'll see what I mean but that's the way I can describe it. When, especially when on the contact, when he gets the ball, the ball comes to him, and then he just uh, manipulates it in some way where I don't think it's possible. I'm like, how did you do that?
0: <laughs> he, do, do you feel that when he's, when him and Jesus are in the moment and they're kind of, you know, in in their flow, in the in the zone, I feel like all of our other players, that's when their best comes out. Because mm-hmm. I know Jesus sure. is what changed this team, right? It was like his arrival when he came and him and Zinchenko were saying we should challenge for the title and everyone laughed at them last summer. Um, They kind of then went on to show that, oh, no, like we're saying this because we're serial winners. We've brought in more players with that kind of mentality. So you add in Rice to this. Now you've got this group, like this leadership group or kind of circle, I suppose, of the likes of, say, Zinchenko. Rice, who's a European champion, is a captain of his ex-club. You've got Jesus Then you've got these young leaders coming through the ranks with the likes of Saka, Martinelli, Saliba. They're all young leaders who've been together, like they've been shaping themselves. I feel like every setback we've had, I think I was talking about setbacks earlier, Mm -hmm. has made us better. Like missing out on top four, people thought we'd capitulate because we didn't get fourth that season instead Mm -hmm. of we went on a title challenge. We then missed out on the title. People said we'd struggle to get top four this season we're now back on a successive title challenge two years running. I don't Mm -hmm. even remember the last time Arsenal put two convincing title challenges together in two successive Mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. I genuinely don't remember.
1: Because I remember 7-8 was the last time before last season we challenged for a title. After that, we came, I think, third or fourth. I think we came fourth. We had like the dodgy one where we came second,
0: but... Less yeah. yeah, the one convincingly in Germany's we weren't really in the run. We,
1: then. Yeah, off we bed. would have finished. We would have finished third if if Tottenham didn't lose to If New They Cardinals. did their job. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we we weren't convincing at all. So I'd say the last convincing title charge we had was two thousand seven, two thousand eight, and then after that, that before the leg break, right? Was that? Yeah, 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 yeah. We got. I think we only lost three games that season in the league as well, which was crazy. That was
0: painful, man. That was a painful <laughs> season. Obviously, there was the Invincible season, um, mm-hmm. like, but yeah, like I think even the year after the Invincibles, I'm pretty sure Chelsea won that following season yeah. convincingly. So yeah, I don't, we, like we I finished think, second, but I don't think we were like in a proper race.
1: I think we finished like ten points behind Chelsea that season, at least.
0: Yeah, Maybe even so,
1: more. <laughs> and our, and our team was aging as well. So our team was our team was aging as well. So I just thought I thought to myself, okay, that's maybe the end of our team, sadly, because football is a cyclical game, and Chelsea were young at the time. They were younger and it proved that...
0: to be right. That ended yeah. up being the end of an era. Henri mm-hmm. left. Then the next young cohort we built the yeah. team around. They all left with like Fabregas, yeah. Nasri, Klich. Mm-hmm. Like so many people left. Um, yeah. You know, so every time why... we tried to build a team, they left. It yeah, felt this tough time... those years.
1: But this time it feels different because we can keep hold of our best players and we can sign the best now.
0: They're all signing extensions. Everyone wants yeah. to come. You know, there's talks of a big striker signing. I don't think yeah. it can happen in January, but never no, say no, no, never. No. No. Next no. summer, though, it looks like there's some big options on the table potentially for us. Yeah. I know we want some CMs, as we said, as well. Yeah, we need yeah. another defender too, I think.
1: I think we need another white player as well, personally. Mm. Just to stretch yeah, the pitch. Because... on the width. Yeah, because Martinelli is our our fastest winger, and he's the only one that can stretch the pitch. Like Nelson, he's ball to feet. Trossard is mm. ball to feet. Saka, as great as he is, he's ball to feet. I just want another winger that can stretch the pitch, that can really open his legs and really get going in behind, especially
0: someone to terrorize the defense. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's just because
1: like, yeah, just cause we're a possession team. We need in a possession team the the, the best way to attack is to change rhythm. You know. When you can change rhythm and surprise the opponent, you can score a lot of goals. So I would like I love to have a that. Fast yeah, get, the,
0: get them to fall asleep for that one millisecond. Just and to get them comfortable, then bang, just let go. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I do feel like, on that note, the player that I would have loved to get in the summer, and I was really gutted we missed out, and I think he's starting to show himself in the Prem, is mm-hmm. uh, Kudus. So mm-hmm. he's obviously just like, he got a brace, I think, last week here for West Ham. Mm-hmm. Brighton wanted him to. We know how good Brighton's scouting team is. So mm-hmm. I had no doubt once Brighton were also interested mm-hmm. that, oh, this is a player here. Like someone could unearth a gem for themselves. Because mm-hmm. he was like a someone who could play as an eight and he mm-hmm. could be Saka's cover at right wing. He was yeah. quite versatile. He could be a forward mm-hmm. or a mid. I just mm-hmm. felt like I would have loved the game. We missed out on mm-hmm. that. I know Mudrik we tried for. We yeah. tried for Rafinha. We've been yeah. trying for one of these wingers for a while, right?
1: So I do, I do think um, we wanted Neto in the summer as well.
0: True, people. yeah, Neto. Wanted, I know he had yeah, injuries as well.
1: Yeah, Ornstein said we wanted him, but Wolves quoted us a 50 million, and we said
0: nah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those prices keep going up though. Like people are asking for 100 mil now. Yeah. For these kind do of you know players. who
1: else I, I, I really like in Brighton? I like Adingra. I like him.
0: Oh, he looks like a nice promising one as well. Yeah, he's, was, he's he, he, into...
1: he didn't have a very good game against us, but there was one action he did against Sinchenko. A really nice nutmeg in the first half. I thought to myself, whenever I watch him, I'm always impressed by him. I always think to myself, with Arteta coaching, he could be amazing.
0: I think mean, that's the thing, right? Like you, you look at certain players and you think they've come on leaps and bounds with Arteta. And it's Mm. not I think it's actually a lot of the attacking players, surprisingly enough, Um, Mm. you know, at City, they obviously said like even Pep and the players themselves said that the likes of Sterling, Sane, they all Mm. credited like, you know, their, I guess, improvement and growth Mm. on Mm. him and his personal coaching, which is quite interesting. And, you know, Zinchenko, I didn't realise this at the time, but supposedly it was Arteta who got him to play this inverted fullback role and converted mm. him from a midfielder because obviously that's where he plays for mm. the national team. So a lot of these things that we kind of credit Pep with, people say Arteta's just copying his team. Yeah, I we're not playing also, the Pep style. We're playing a different style. We're playing Arteta. I think. I think, also, I think also.
1: I think also he was the one that told um, Arteta told Pep to play Bernardo's centre mid.
0: I was going to say so. He's also the one who converted uh, um, a winger mm. into a CM. So like. Mm. Don't be shocked if someone like Saka becomes an 8 in the future when he's
1: I was, older. I, I, was to, I was saying to someone in, in, a, in a group chat I'm with, I said, when Saka turns probably 25 to 27, he could become an amazing centre mid. Because I think people underrate one thing about him especially. His weight of pass is brilliant. <laughs> yeah, <in> and <laughs> honesty,
0: it's it, so it's real. His decision-making and the, the ability to put that weight on the pass, yeah. the accuracy... Yeah.
1: And how how also he can play in the middle of the pitch. He's always he's very sharp on the half turn on both on both sides on the left.
0: Hand, I love right. how he receives the ball, man. Like it's 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 mm. ba- it's like almost back to basics of football where mm. it's like forget all the complicated stuff. You got mm. to get the basics right, and those are like body shape, the angle mm. you receive at, mm. like how you recycle the ball. Like these are the things that he's drilled mm. into them. I think. Yeah, and it's almost that muscle memory now.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's just like how Saka receives on the inside and then he drives inside and then he makes the best decision whether it's on the outside or the inside. I just think Saka is a total footballer, to be honest. This guy can play in any team, any league, any era, and he will be one of the best players. I think this guy I, I feel is that. That's what been, so I mean.
0: So I've been saying since last season that I feel he's already world-class.
1: Yeah, I appreciate sure.
0: he's not put up the numbers and output of a uh, Mohamed Salah on the right wing yet. So I'm not going to disrespect Salah. I think he's probably one of the greatest wingers in Premier League history. And he himself doesn't get the roses and respect he deserves. But what I'd like to think is that after Salah, because I'm not going to disrespect him like that and be like, oh, Saka's better after a few good seasons. But I do feel the trajectory he is on, Saka has everything going for him. And if he keeps that humbleness and Mm -hmm. that mentality of just working hard and not letting fame or ego come in the way, and just focuses on loving the beautiful game, I do think he will go down as like one mm-hmm. of the Arsenal greats.
1: I think Saka's got a good family behind him. He's got a good team behind him. He's got a good manager. I think Saka's one of those guys that's just... He doesn't get phased by anything. He just faces the situation he's in, and he deals with it in the best way you like. Remember when he said, we deserve more when we were 15 on Boxing Day 2020? Mm-hmm. Before we played Southampton, sorry. Once he said, we deserve more, the guy got... A goal, or assist every other game for two months. So I just feel to myself, think to myself, this guy, nothing can phase him. He will just be, he will just keep being soccer, keep scoring, keep assisting, keep winning, and he's going to go to the top for sure. He's a top. Yeah, player. I, I just
0: hope we can hold on to him for the long term. He's someone yeah. who, for years, I thought if we didn't, if mm-hmm. our project didn't catch up with his ambitions, at mm-hmm. some point we couldn't hold on to him. But now mm-hmm. I feel with the players we're bringing in. Mm. he is going to be staying like everyone's staying right? Like everyone's extending now as, as, long,
1: as long as we keep showing the ambition we're showing that we keep winning and we win a Premier League or Champions League I think he signs a five year deal this time not four years mm. I think he signs a five year deal as long as we keep winning and I think if we win a big trophy a Premier League or Champions League in the next year or two I think he signs a five year contract and he says I'm going to stay here and, then, and he's going to trust his prime and he always says he, I, I don't think people realise he convinced Ben White to join the club He convinced Ramsdale he convinced Ramsdale to join the club and he convinced Declan Rice to join the club and Rice had Bayern Union. Manchester United. Yeah, like all Saka does and people think people say he's not proper Arsenal. He does he's not really committed. He asked for a release clause. If a player asks for a release clause, he's not convincing the best defensive midfielder in the world to join the club. Come on.
0: Yeah, I think people were so quick to insult instead of celebrate the good news of the extension, they were Mm -hmm. so angry about the length of it and whether there was going to be a release clause etc like and ultimately I was like we have on our hands a player that would walk into any team in world football today every Mm -hmm. team and manager would want him like people were saying oh how can you offer him like 200k next extension in a couple years he'll want 300k and I'm like are you crazy bro like they were saying the same to me about Saliba they were like oh he's only had one season in the prem but why are you paying so much I was like Are you guys nuts? Like, these are like two players that would be the bedrock of any serious team for 10
1: years. I think Saliba was on a very, like, very poor contract. He was only on like 40k a week or something. Yeah, he was, (laughs) Yeah, if you can't, you can't give a player like that just forty k a week. And you just, if you just try and even double or triple his wages, it's not enough. You like, you have to respect him and and if he's there Munich. playing
0: every week, you've got to yeah. at least have him on par with the rest yeah. of
1: his peers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You have to pay him like he's the best young centre back in the world. So if two hundred grand a week for Saliba, I'm not losing any sleep. That's that's a snip.
0: Yeah, I'm not. We have paid money for way worse players over the years. (laughs)
1: Yeah, like for example, um, for example, Lacazette. He was on 10 million a year for five years, and we didn't. And he saw saw his contract. And he personally, for me, he was one of the worst strikers I've ever seen play for this club. So, 10 million for Lacazette. I'd pay ten million per year for Saliba easily, no problem. Top easily. I think.
0: Is there any other players here you want to mention? Otherwise, let's look Um, at the stats real quick. I'm happy to look at the stats.
1: Happy to look at. Cool.
0: this. So this is just um just a timestamp it so that when we go back, anyone who wants to check this slide on the podcast, if you're listening, I think it's always good to see the visuals. It's 38 minutes in for these. So, in terms of these, these are from Marcar stats on Twitter. He um, automates through a stat spot all the data. Really nice visuals. So the xG for Arsenal was 2.93 versus 0.6 for Brighton. The expected threat was 1.92 for Arsenal. 0. 0.86 for Brighton. Possession was actually in their favour, 49.6% for us, 50.4% for them, which is surprising when you then look at the field tilt. So 76% field tilt for Arsenal, 23% for Brighton, and the defensive action height, 56% for us, 33 for them. So you can see on the cumulative graph that Brighton's first XG, like that gets measured, Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem to arrive until like the 65th minute or so.
1: I think it was the Hinshelwood header. That's what mm. I think it was, the Hinshelwood header. Like he, he he was pretty good to be fair to him. He's got a good look yeah. for his For a bloke of his size, the guy can jump. So I think it was a cross from Gross and then he heads it and that was the only the first chance they had in the 60th minute. That's how much control we had. We didn't give them anything. We didn't allow them to build up. We didn't allow them to do anything. They were just defending a lot. I think Deservey said at the end of the game, "We're not used to suffering like this." <laughs> yeah,
0: they're just not used to it, right? And I think we yeah. were speaking before we went live that yeah. you know Pep said that they have you know Brighton have the best build up in world football and stuff, and mm-hmm. this is a team that had the time before this. I think they'd gone 30, you said, roughly. It was almost a 30, whole season worth of 30 games, games
1: 33 yeah,
0: games. 30 Premier League games or so, yeah. scoring yeah. in every single game consecutively. And then we yeah. kind of killed that with the clean sheet. So that was the fourth longest scoring run in Premier League history. Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah. That's how often this team scored, like every <laughs> single game. And we just shut them out at the end. Yeah. And I couldn't believe it. It was, honestly, that clean sheet to me meant so much because no one <laughs> thought we could do it. And I was there in May when they finished putting the, you know, I guess the hammer or nail in our coffin of our title challenge. And I remember Stu getting that third breakaway goal in like injury time as well to really finish me off. Um, I was just sitting there, Martinelli went off injured like 15 minutes in or less.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) it was just annoying it was just annoying yeah to be fair Arteta he's coached he's coached against De three times and he should have in the league at least three times and he should have won all three very comfortably it's just we won we beat them 4-2 then we played them in the league I think the way we played them in the first half in the league when we lost 3-0 I thought we played really good in terms of how we were against the ball, how we mm. how we block how we blocked their press, how we created situation after situation. But unfortunately the players weren't able to put the ball in the net and then they scored a really crappy goal where Ferguson stamped Kiwi on the ankle and then our confidence just went sadly. But I think Arteta did has coached against the Zerbi very well and he knows how to play against him. And this time the players they made they decided the game. So as always, players decide games. You can be mm. as tactically prepared as you are. You can get the right scheme, get the right pressing structure. But if the players don't put the ball in the net, then it's a problem. But today, they managed to do it. So I would like to say credit to the players. They d- they decided the game and they won us the game.
0: Yeah, I, f- I do feel it was down to them, individuals, kind of mm-hmm. shining on the day. Let's have a quick look at one more thing before we look at... Um kind of mm-hmm. I guess score predictions and Liverpool predicted lineups so this was mm-hmm. just another graphic from Mark that's it. it's a table that shows the progression of the ball via carry on the um, mm-hmm. on the y-axis and progression via pass on the x-axis so in this match going back to what I was kind of singing Martinelli's praises despite the kind of the output on paper not showing he is up there in the top right quadrant as kind of I guess by far the best progression by a carry for once, so obviously with the ball at his feet dribbling. And then equally, we've also got progression by a pass. He's still kind of high up there too, which we might not have expected to see. So I do feel Saka's up here as well. Like he's he's still pretty high up there. So But well, Martinelli, really, this game, he, he was the one getting us forward. Um, Rice and Odegaard appear similar quadrants. Saliba's there, interestingly it's interesting to think that he's such a big part of the build-up and carrying yeah. the ball up the pitch. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, those kind of four, that's the spine of the carry, it feels like. It's kind of like Saliba, mm. Rice, Odegaard, and then Martinelli Saka waiting for them.
1: Yeah but on they the rewatch the on on the rewatch I thought Martinelli had a much better game than I anticipated because I, in in the in the game live at home I was getting frustrated with him but watching him back mm. especially second half he was really good he was really carrying the ball he took the game to them he was dangerous on the counter attack laying balls off getting us forward with his dribbling or his passing and I think he should have got at least one assist with the cross he put in for Kai and he put it over the bar
0: Yeah oh yeah the cuz I think Kai didn't Quite get over the ball, so yeah, if he yeah. got just over it, he might be able to keep it down. And yeah. that felt. And I know Martinelli. Something I've noticed. Maybe this is what would make people not be as frustrated with him long term. Is I do feel that when it comes to finishing, mm-hmm. I, I feel like there's certain shots he takes. I think it's maybe on his left foot. And whenever mm-hmm. he takes those shots, they're just like totally off target. Just skies them over the net. So yeah, I don't know if it's like he needs to work on the left foot shooting, or it's just that actually defenders are so good at closing our players down. They're just making it impossible to get a good angle also, to get it on your correct foot. Like.
1: Also, I feel he takes too many touches before he shoots. Mm. Like, in the first half, there was one time where he cut in and then he had, a re- he had a good avenue to shoot. But he took one extra touch and then the defender got in front of him. I think Saka is guilty of that at times. He takes one extra touch, especially if it's on his right foot. He takes an extra touch and then the defender can get across and then he can make the shot more difficult for him and then he put, he'll either put it over or he'll block it. So I just think they're taking a little bit too many extra touches. I just feel they're going through a bit of a a bit of a, a downward patch because attackers, especially wingers, they're very up and down. Sometimes they can True. be really, really good. Sometimes they can be really, really down. But because and like, Martinelli, especially in the, the last... Especially last season, they were so efficient in their final action. I just feel like they're going through a little bit of a down patch, but I do think they'll pick up a, a, in, at some point. in they the they Yeah, they were
0: yeah. quite prolific, and maybe we expect too much, thinking mm. they can return every single yeah. game. Like I think,
1: I think Martinelli overperformed his XG quite massively last season. I think he had nine XG and he got fifteen league goals. So, fifteen league goals, yeah. Yeah. So I just feel like he's just on a bit of a down patch at the minute, but he's got so much quality and so much credit in the bank, I think he'll get better as the season progresses. So I'm not worried about him at all. Just It's just a little coaching thing that I can fix or Carlos Cuesta, as we said earlier, can fix whenever he t- gets the ball on his left foot or on Saka as well, on his weak foot. Just smash it. Just don't think about it. Yeah. Just smash it. Just smash it. Yeah, no, I do. think
0: so. That's what I noticed because actually, yeah, you're right. There was a moment where I remember Saka could have, um, like, he was trying to run at goal and he was near the six-yard box, I think, and I believe it was Dunk and mm. Dunk was just happy to make sure Saka was forced to go on his right. If he could cut inside and go on his left, that would have been lethal. So you mm. could just tell from Dunk's positioning, he made Saka pretty much run it out and then mm. either have to shoot on his right foot mm. from a really tight angle, which didn't quite work, or try to cut back. And I think mm. that was the one where Saka then cut it back really nicely mm. from re- like on his right foot because he was like not comfortable to take that shot. He cut it back and then we just missed. I can't remember who took the shot. But I think he cut it back to um maybe Odegaard or someone or someone was at the edge of the box and they ran onto it and they just didn't. Quite
1: was out. it was it Odegaard he tried to he got the ball, then he ran across, he ran across the box and then he got a shot off. And then Verbruggen made a really good save. Was it that action?
0: Oh I think it was the action where there was the really good save from Verbruggen. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, that he, was the one.
1: He's he's a really good goalkeeper, by the way.
0: Yeah, he seemed I, I, I'm confused that Less was made of Brighton rotating goalkeepers than us. Um, I think it's
1: it's because of the size of the clubs. Because Brighton, Mm. like their players, I don't think people realise. I think they only won two out of the last eight league games or something.
0: They've had a really tough season. Yeah, they've not been the Brighton we saw last year. That's for sure.
1: I think they've got a lot of injuries as well, unfortunately, for them. They've they a, do, yeah.
0: yeah.
1: I think Veltman he went off with a knee injury. He tried to tackle Martinelli, then his I think his knee went inwards or something. Hopefully, it's not ACL because he's a really good player, Veltman. So and
0: they've uh, they've had no left back for months, right? Uh, yeah. Estupinian and Lamperti yeah. they've both been out.
1: Huh? Yeah, so they have to play Milner there. They had to play Gross there. So it's just really they've got a really even the bad attackers impetus.
0: are out, right? Like you, yeah. like Welbeck's been out for months. He was yeah. back into the bench for the first time in a while. Um, yeah. You know, March is out. He was huge for them last year.
1: Did he have he's an been, ACL or? Still... Um,
0: what March?
1: Yeah, did he have an ACL? I, I think I so. Seen...
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, Soli oh. March ain't coming back anytime soon. Yeah, I have a feeling he's like maybe end of the season, maybe. Yeah, um, he, he, he looks um, i actually yeah, have I'm a mad- look.
1: I'm actually researching this now because he was really good last year. He, he was, a, yeah, yeah, he was. Um, he had, he's had two knee surgeries and he's out for the rest of the season. Bloody yeah,
0: hell. he, yeah, long term out. Um, so I feel for him because obviously that mm. team, like I know they keep finding someone to replace the players they sell or get injured, but mm. it's adding up. Like I don't think they've kept mm. a single clean sheet all year. And no, they haven't.
1: Kept, squad is out. They haven't kept a clean sheet for like twenty games or something consecutive or something like that
0: it's tough man they are they are really in the sticks but hopefully they come mm. back i mm. i enjoy seeing teams like brighton do well mm. um, in the league to be fair
1: to be fair they've managed europe and premier league quite well even though it's it's a well, cost yeah. of, it's even though it's come at the cost of their league form but they've done very well in europe and especially in a very tough group they had ajax they had marseille and aek athens and ajax and marseille are very competitive in europe and they've done well against them so i would say brighton have got a good chance of europe league if they can get their best players back for sure.
0: No, yeah. I would love to see by February, hopefully, a few of these guys are back. Obviously, not March, but it, hopefully they can carry on in Europe <laughs> yeah, and yeah. crack on. Um, it's yeah, also good because, for the league, right? Because yeah, yeah. that coefficient,
1: coefficient of goes up.
0: Who gets the five spots? Yeah. I know I league.
1: noticed I noticed in the draw this only us and Man City are representing England <laughs> in the Champions League. Yeah, city. yeah.
0: The entire Champions League is painful, man. I'm, I think right now we don't get the fifth
1: spot. I think it was Italy. Italy, country. yeah. It's Italy, so only top four. So it's, I, I'm glad it's top four because fifth place, getting Champions League doesn't sit right with me personally. Like, it just doesn't.
0: Especially, especially if it's Man United. Um...
1: <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think they'll make it. I think Tottenham will get fifth place, to be honest.
0: Yeah. Tottenham well, or United are in dire straits of their yeah, right. own. Um, I, was watching,
1: I was watching them in the Liverpool game. They just defended. They didn't do anything.
0: It, they, they just look like a shadow of themselves. I saw some stats that, like, uh, you know, we were frustrated about kind of the passes into our chance creation. Mm-hmm. I saw that Hoyland and Martial have received the least passes of any forward in the entire Premier League. So it's mm-hmm. like, you know, like, I think I saw another one and this one was really damning. So since Rashford's been obviously out injured and stuff, right, mm-hmm. um, this, was the re- this was the kicker. When I saw this, I couldn't believe it. I'll just read it out for you. So... Mm -hmm. so Anthony has played five and a half hours with Hoyland and he's passed to him twice in five and a half hours of football
1: and that's Um, a right winger
0: (laughs) yeah yeah And, and then Garnacho, who's playing the other wing while Rashford's out he spent seven hours on the pitch with Hoyland and he passed to him five times
1: no wonder the kid's struggling to score
0: this is what I'm trying to say. So, like, you like you look at him and he is feeding off scraps. Like, his two wingers have given him seven passes combined in seven hours of football. Like, what? Mm. The... <laughs> so no, we we, we thought we it's had it more. bad, but we should uh, thank our lucky blessings. Let's go to the mm. next game. Obviously, Liverpool. Now that we're talking about the Liverpool United game, it feels like a mm. good time mm. to talk about it. I'm not going to read the lineup again because it's the same. Obviously, I put the lineup on from Brighton again. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's gonna be any changes to this team? Is there anything mm-hmm. that you think no. is gonna happen?
1: No, but I think if party was available, I think I think Mikel would have played party number six and Rice left centre mid, like he did it like he did at St James's Park. Because I think if mm-hmm. Ge- if if was fit, I think Jorginho would have played and I think Rice would have played six and Tomiyasu would have played left back to deal with Salah again. That's what I think would have happened, but because is not available and party's not available, it'll be the same team.
0: Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think the only thing is if Tommy Yasu was fit, I think we talked about this before, I would have definitely seen him as someone who would play this game. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously I, I think I was was it at the Emirates? Yeah, it was around October last year. So nearly a year ago now. I remember I was there live and um Salah got subbed, I think it was the seventieth minute or less. Yeah. He just got pocketed by Tommy Yasu. And that was the yeah, first was time it- Tommy played left back for us as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it it was at two two as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. He got subbed at two-two when wanting to push for a win. They conceded like the draw, and we saw that a lot last season. Managers of opposition teams just subbed off all their attackers for defenders to get a draw,
1: especially away from matches. home. Especially away from home,
0: it was crazy to think how good our uh, defensive form was away from home as well last year. I think you know we. I remember going seasons where we had like no clean sheets away from home in 19 games. And then last season, we're like the league leaders for away clean sheets. I, f-
1: I think last season, we won like four, 13, 14 league games away. Yeah, yeah, and wild. then com- Compared to Wenger's last season, where we were despicable away and we only won four league games in 19. So it's just a blessing. I remember
0: those last few Wenger years. I used to always say to people like, because I was quite hopelessly optimistic about us. And I was always, any game we went into, I thought we could win. And any season that started, I thought we had a chance to challenge, regardless of how down in the dumps we were. I realise now that that was delusional, seeing how much better we are now. But um, in those days, I remember always thinking like, oh, if we just fix our away form, we can win the title. Well, yeah, we're that... only winning four out of 19. Like, there's a lot yeah. to fix.
1: Yeah, in Wenger's last season, I don't think people realise we won 15 home games in the league. 15.
0: Yeah, we were unbelievable. This is what I mean. Like, it just felt like away, (laughs) something happened to us. I don't know what was going on. The thing is,
1: if we only won like seven or eight or nine away games, we probably would have got top four quite easily that season, which is the most annoying thing.
0: That is quite frustrating, isn't it? Um, Mm. It's like knowing that that thing let us down. But I do feel this team is breaking down barriers in the sense that they're getting rid of all the old records, historical records, Mm. everything like, like, you know, the team's like, winning at the Etihad, we need that next. Winning at Anfield, we need that next. So these are things where like once it starts to get too long, where you know last year we you know we win at St James's Park or, you know, we get revenge for the year before where they destroyed our top four hopes. So I feel like every season now, like this last weekend we finally be Brighton at home after a few attempts. It's that bit by bit we're getting there we don't want these kind of records Like I
1: think I think we play I think we play our best when we got something to prove you know like last you know last year how we beat Tottenham 5-1 home and away when they mm. took away our top four hopes how we beat Newcastle how we finally beat Liverpool I just think whenever we have something to prove and we need to play on the edge we need to prove something like even how we st- played in Champions League in the group stage like mm. you see how hungry our players are how desperate they are they want to do well in the Champions League I just think whenever yeah. we play with that that, something to prove that su- the edge even on against Brighton you saw Arteta on the touchline how animated he was he how hungry he was for the win because I'm sure he was aware that people were saying Zerbi has the better of him Zerbi's a better manager than him you can just tell he wanted he wanted to leave one on Zerbi and get the win against Brighton so I just feel like when Arteta feels like that when the players feel like that I just think we play at our best so I'm hoping we, we go into that sort of mindset against Liverpool because Saturday we do, right off,
0: yeah, off. After how close we came last year,
1: yeah, feel, team I, I feel like neither. Like
0: obviously, both teams could have won that game, so I'll, I'll say a draw was fair overall. Mm-hmm. I would have been gutted to lose, and I think they would have been gutted to lose too. But overall, mm-hmm. like I was speaking to a Liverpool fan just yesterday, actually, and I said to him, you know, I'm not sure about the weekend, and he said, I don't know, man. Last season, when you guys came to the, you know, it's Anfield, it was a very different Arsenal to the ones that have been coming to Anfield for the last decade. It was like, you know, it was serious. And they've got some major players out, right? So, just speaking mm. of them, so this was their lineup versus United, um, 55 minutes in for anyone who's on podcast. So, United versus Liverpool, they had Alisson in goal, Trent, Kanate, Van Dyke, Simikas, uh, Dominic Sazabosolai, I don't know how to say it properly, Endo, mm-hmm. Grab and Birch, Diaz, Nunes, and Salah. So, obviously, Diego Yota, he's a massive player against us. He really turns it on. So, He's out, which is going to be beneficial to us. It, it feels like I reckon maybe Gomez starts here instead of Sinicast for more defensive solidity, but we'll find out, I guess. So that's one difference I see here. And if they do play Endo, I think he's going to get cooked alive. So, like, on, honestly, like, I think if Liverpool play the way they did against United last weekend, we will not do what United did and basically not score. Like we will take our chances. If they give us the opportunity, we will go and take them out. Like this is, it feels like there couldn't be a better time. I know it's famous last words, but as I mentioned, there's key players out who like I honestly think the absence of Yota is huge, even mm. though it might not seem like it. And I just feel that we've got what it takes, that like, we can do this. Like they, they look dysfunctional in midfield.
1: I think I think the main thing is is that their their front three press very narrowly in the three. They will tr- pro- they'll probably try to go man to man. But if our mm. if our build up is correct and we can get the first pass past their front three, I think we can attack them at will. Especially their their midfield the whole season has been a black hole. Like there's nothing mm. there. That's so many teams are creating chances, transitions and uh, clear cut chances. It's just that Allison is the best goalkeeper and probably. in the world right now and they've got they've got two players they've got four players that are dangerous in both boxes they've got Allison. they've got Van Dijk they've got Trent and they've got Salah four of them they make the difference between both boxes that's why they don't lose many games but their defence their their midfield and their defence especially I think it's not very good, but because Allison is so good, he kind of covers up a lot of. Assists, this has but...
0: covered up a lot of the cracks, hasn't he? He's like yeah. single-handedly yeah. maintained some of their results. I, I, this I saw,
1: I saw a stat that he has the most goals prevented in the league, or something like eleven xg he saved.
0: Yeah, you know, he's definitely like, yeah, on that metric, he is leading every other goalkeeper by this distance. Yeah,
1: he's having he's having a legendary season. So, and also, I think Van Dijk's back in form as well this season. He looks a lot well.
0: better than the previous yeah. years. Yeah, I, uh, I, I do think that they're obviously. I just don't know. Like, how do you see the first 20 minutes? Like, this is a good time my score prediction. So, I think uh, how the do first, you see like, the first, first 20 minutes going? First, first, 20 five, minutes, 20 minutes?
1: first five, five to first 15, tw- first zero to 20 minutes, I think they're going to press really hard. Like okay. they do, like they did against Man United. They really boxed them in in the first few minutes, but they didn't do anything. Their final action was so bad the whole game. Then United started to settle. They started to be more confident in their block. And then they just really let the game pass because United, as bad as they are, they're good at one thing. They're really good at making you stoop to their level. They're really they're really good at making you, you look at draining the, level. the soul out yeah. of any match yeah. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah they they did they did that against us where they just they thought they controlled the match when it was just onana and Lissandra martinez and Lindelof playing one twos with each other but they they didn't get to our final third once until we lost the ball. In a transition. Yeah, we gave, I
0: think it was we we gave the ball away and then yeah. they had that Rashford goal, right? Chance.
1: But apart from that, they didn't do anything, they didn't really create anything, they didn't do anything. But I think with Liverpool they're gonna they're gonna press in a really narrow front three, they're gonna really press us. But if our if our build up is correct and we're 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 patient, we're clear-minded, that's the most important thing. We have to be calm. If our if we're calm, we're technically secure, we play the first pass correct, we break their line of free line of free press we will be able to get at their midfield and really start create chances and create issues. However, the difference between us and United is we'll go out there to win the game. But if we're clinical, if we're clinical... If we put, if we take our first chance or second chance, and we put the ball in the net, I think Liverpool will get desperate. I think they'll get really desperate, and they'll hopefully start they to, open up a bit more. Yeah, of they'll space, they'll open up. Yeah, they'll open. They'll open up more. They'll leave a lot more spaces, and then we'll just pick them off. Like we we've got, we've done against Brighton. We did that against Sevilla. We did that against um, who else did we pick off quite nicely this season? Man United went, there, went in the three-one for the for the third goal. How we just picked yeah, them off. Yeah, that first goal. Yeah, got, we, as
0: soon we as we transition, transition. Yeah, yeah. We don't get much chances to transition in the Premier League, but you would Champions think Liverpool is a team we will yeah. get the chance again. We'll
1: get the chance. I just feel like it all depends on the first 20 minutes. If we can if we can build up in a calm manner and we don't like we don't fall for their pressing and we don't fall for the bait, and we
0: we are first we've got pass to weather clean, that storm, don't we? Yeah, if we work, we've got well, to respect the fact it's yeah, at Anfield.
1: Yeah, yeah. If we play if we play with that sort of lucidity and calmness, knowing the situation, this is Anfield, we have to respect them, they're gonna come at us, but we're going to, we have to play the first pass really nice, really clean, really calm and just break their first line of three and then we attack them, we attack their midfield and really, and we really stretch their defence and like really cause them some problems, especially running backwards. I think we can score goals and we can cause them problems. I think, I think it will be a draw because it's Anfield, but my, my heart is saying to me it's going to be a draw, but my head is saying I think we can win.
0: So what would what would what would your heart score prediction be and head score prediction? We'll do both. My, do both my head
1: my head my head my head is saying I think we'll win two one. Uh, my okay. heart is saying two two.
0: Yeah, that feels fair. I think if I was in your boat, um I it's funny because for me I think it's the other way around. My head is saying that we'll draw like one one, two, two, but my heart is saying we're gonna get a clean sheet at Anfield and win two 0
1: The one thing I noticed, one thing I realized yesterday, I was speaking to someone, they were saying, We're going to Anfield with Saliba. That's a big thing.
0: Oh, that's a very good point.
1: (laughs) We didn't go to Anfield. I didn't even remember
0: that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's a huge miss. And Declan Rice is here now. Declan Rice.
1: And the thing is, Saliba can deal with any press. We saw in St. James's Park, he had like Gordon, Bruno, and Joel Linton really pressing him. And then he just kept breaking their press because he's so calm. He is so
0: calm on the ball. I I don't know where he gets that calm. I don't know. I I don't know.
1: It's just that's why that's what makes him such a special player. I think with him going to Anfield, it's a different game because this guy is afraid of nothing. Yeah, no, I love it. So I think it sounds
0: like neither of us predict a draw, whether it's head or uh, as a loss, whether it's.
1: Mm. I don't think we'll lose. I don't think we'll lose.
0: Yeah, I think for me, I see a world in which we draw. Aston Villa slap up Sheffield United and go Mm. top of the league for Christmas and let them enjoy their flowers if that happens Um, (laughs) I just don't see Sheffield United getting anything against Villa in that game
1: Can I just say one thing about Villa I don't think they're that good to be honest
0: I I think they're very good at home home. I think they're very good at home so they have like they're like the in-form team at home I guess Mm. Um, but I would tend to agree that I think by the time the season comes to an end, I don't think they'll be in the top four. Let alone people are saying, should we take them as title challengers now? Obviously, they've done unreal. They they beat City and Arsenal in the space of a week. But I, I'm not convinced they'll be in the top four come end of the season. Personally, it's just so I would agree
1: the, the chances they gave up, especially against us, and the chances they give up away. I just think. It's not really sustainable. Their attack is good. I'll give them that. I'm not, I'm not going to take anything away from them. It's just the way they defend, especially in this league, if you defend poorly over a long period of time, you'll get found out. No way. Yeah. No, way. No, no, way. no way. No way. No way they're making top four. No way.
0: Yeah, I, I just don't see a world in which they make top four. It, it would be very strange. So, obviously, hour in, I think we've done a good job. We've managed to talk mm. about the, the preview of the Liverpool game, a couple of score predictions and the review of Brighton. And um, obviously now just a quick announcement on the schedule. So obviously Clayton's now going to be away as well for the holidays. So he'll be back at the beginning of January. Uh, so that I think I'm just having a look here. He'll be back when we've already played Fulham. So I think we'll do the Fulham review with him when he's back. But until then, I'm going to probably do like a solo short review of the Liverpool game on Sunday, on Christmas Eve. So I might do that in the morning on the 24th real quick. We then have a guest, so we have a FPL fella who is a big West Ham fan, season ticket holder. He came on last year with me and Clayton to preview the West Ham game. So we thought, why not get a fan of the actual team we're going to play to come in and preview the game and hear what they're feeling from their side of the table going into the game. So that'll be quite fun. there will be a quick one on Wednesday next week, the 27th. And then on the 29th, next Friday, I'll probably do like the West Ham review and Fulham preview together. So it's three episodes until Clayton comes back. Quick review of Liverpool on Sunday. Fella preview of uh, West Ham on Wednesday. And then review of West Ham and Fulham preview in one, like today's episode, next Friday. So there's only a few episodes without Clayton now, but we will miss him. Hopefully we'll get an episode where all three of us, me, you and Clayton, can obviously come on together. So, so far you've done the one with Clayton, the one with me. Uh, We'll find some plans for the new year. Hopefully we can maybe do it around the UCL tie. Maybe something yeah, to be for sure. for That sure. could be quite fun. But for yeah, sure. guys, if you've enjoyed hearing from Hassan as well, um, you can find him on Twitter on at H-A-F-T-B-L. There's a link to his profile in the podcast and YouTube description as well. But yeah, it's been amazing, Hassan. It's been a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for making the time to chat about the game and the team we all love. Mm-hmm. Um, any final thoughts, Any any messages you want to um... say about our campaign ahead? Any um, gonna
1: uh, I've covered what I need to say it's just wish us luck for Liverpool because we're going to need it
0: <laughs> yeah I think let's get through Liverpool then we can mm. talk about do we think we're going to win the Prem or Champions League I think it's a bit premature those discussions yeah. maybe yeah. next year see how Liverpool goes let's mm. then talk after the UCL catches starts again and we'll see where we feel we're at in February right
1: for sure, for sure.
0: important yeah. few months ahead All right, well, lovely to see you, Sam. Good to see everyone. Come on, you Gunners. On to the massive game on the weekend of the Arsenal.
1: Come on.